Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I just went like full radio voice there. <laughs> you did. Nasally. So we are here with uh, one of my good friends, Rebecca Taylor. Uh, we'll explain a little bit why we're good friends. Here also with my co-host, Aaron. I was about to call you Aaron Magnuson, one of our guests, but you're Aaron Mercer. So, well, And I, then there's Aaron McGinnis. So. I know. There's a lot of Aaron's to live up to. And then our producer, Nathan. <laughs> we, we are... Cl- closing a series from Northeastern Seminary. Thank you for our sponsors. And we are brought to you by Browncroft Community Church on spiritual practices. So what we want to talk about today is why does serving help us realize our spiritual gifts? One of the things I love about our guest is we had this pre-conversation of like serving spiritual gifts. Is it really volunteering and talents? So some of these are churchy words. We get that. But I think most of us would say, hey, I want to make a difference. I want to know how I'm wired. And if there is a God, like, I want to be who I've created to be. So that's kind of where we're going. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I'm excited about the conversation. I'm, you know, looking forward to getting all my questions answered about, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. So, no, I I think it's going to, I think spiritual gifts is a really uh, important topic, uh, certainly an important topic in the church. But I think it's something people wonder about. They might not say spiritual gifts, but they might say, what What am I supposed to be doing? What am I wired for? Like you just said, Peter. So I'm excited about this. Yeah. Thanks for being with us. Oh, man. There's so much good things to talk about. By here. the way, I'm excited, too, because even though Peter knows you already, I don't really know you <laughs> beyond Facebook, well, which is where we, where we learn, you know, we meet people on Facebook during COVID sure. and you don't really know that sure. person yet. So yeah. I get to hear more of your story. I'm excited to tell it. <laughs> <laughs> hey. One of the reasons it's so great to interview you is you have this very dynamic story. And where I want you to kind of walk people through with this question is you go from being a biology major sure, to now you're working for a seminary. Yeah. Walk us through that. Well, I think it even goes back to why I was going for the biology degree. I was going to be a doctor. Um, an MD or a PA or a a PhD and an MD. I was exploring all of these things. I was a single mom and and I didn't want to um, have to depend on anybody in order to provide for her. So I had big dreams and this was something that I had felt that God had laid on my heart to do. Early on, my dad had always spoken life over me and and leadership qualities over me, so I'm thankful for that. and then I met my husband, and he was a firefighter and a paramedic and a volunteer, and he had a very um, wonderful heart to serve his community that I wanted to you know, be a part of. He was an amazing giver. And then we got married, and we started having babies, and I was like, I think I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. And we joke about how you know, I went from being a doctor to being a stay-at-home mom for a long time. But that biology degree was something that I never really used because we decided at the time I was going to stay home and care for the kids and he was going to continue to do the work that he was doing. And so from there, he always encouraged me to do something, to give, to volunteer, because that was his, his pattern. He was a volunteer for a very long time as an EMT. And so I used to volunteer at church, in mom's ministry, and in other ways. And then when the kids got older, I was a photographer. During that time, I had taught myself how to do photography. And um, I learned how to do video, mainly because the church that I was attending needed somebody to do that. Mm. So I was a volunteer that went in about 20 hours a week to the church that, uh, that we were attending. And I learned how to do all these amazing things because they were very volunteer-based. They had a small staff and were very reliant on their volunteers. They were also very great at raising up leaders and equipping people. And so I came up under that, that leadership, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. How did, you, how did you even know that you wanted to go that direction? I mean, did you just see a need and you wanted to fill it, or were you already kind of artistically inclined um what was what drew you that direction my family makes fun of me because i don't remember anything about biology (laughs) (laughs) so it is a family joke because i am in a creative field mostly right but what i'm finding now in my job at northeastern seminary where here at browncroft i feel like my role when i was the director of creative services and technology my role was primarily creative it was working with rob and and pastor rob and brainstorming these things right um, it was a very creative role. And then I started working at Northeastern and they started looking at me differently. They said, your science background actually informs your creativity. 
they kind of saw the connection between how I was a creative that also liked numbers and wanted to understand the science behind things. And it's a really interesting full circle perspective for me now to realize that, I mean, I'm 46 and my gifts now all feel like they fit. I don't know. That's it's, really cool. It's a good place to be. Well, I, I kind of want to back up. Tell me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you're at a good place that you kind of know, um, hey, I know what I'm good at. I even know what my spiritual gifts are. Do you feel like 20 years from now you'll be more confident or were the past um, seasons, we'll say the last 20 years, was that more deciphering or I already knew I had these, it's to hmm, develop them? That's a good question. I would have said in my 20s, I knew everything. So I was very confident. <laughs> and I'm finding the older I get, the more I question not who I am. I think I'm more, I more understand myself more who I am now than I ever have in the past. But I sort of question my approach to things and maybe how I'm interacting with people than I used to. I used to, I used to have right systems and processes, right? And those led me to certain things in my life. But now I sort of look at the relationships and I say, how am I gonna make this relationship right? Uh, you, gotta, you gotta say more. Give us an example of that. Well, so in my early years, my theology was very strong. I grew up in church, I grew up under good pastors, and I looked at things very black and white. Our, our Bible is so clear. How many times have I said, oh, it's biblical, right? We, we do that a lot in church. That's another religious word or, or, you know, however we word that in church. But now I'm starting to understand that God is, Jesus especially, is about relationships. And he served people. It's interesting. I, and you guys might, I ask questions all the time now. Did Jesus ever talk specifically about spiritual gifts like Paul did? Paul talks a lot about spiritual gifts, right? Speaking in tongues, prof prophesying, all these things, leadership. Um, elders, deacons, all these things. But did Jesus ever really talk about those things? Because our topic is serving. Jesus served in, in, in a perfectness. He was perfect. But that doesn't mean that he didn't, one, work with the Holy Spirit, and two, um, he, he had a way of serving without letting people know that he was in a superior place for them. Does that make sense? Like sometimes we serve out of superiority. Oh, I'm gifted in making videos, Aaron. Ah, of course I'm gonna make the videos here, right? Like that was my talent and my ability. But sometimes serving is cleaning the toilets, even though I'm good at video, or loving somebody who maybe comes in and feels unlovable because of how they've been treated in the past in the church. Serving and using my spiritual gifts isn't just about the tasks that I can accomplish, but it's about how I make people feel. Hmm. I think you just hit on a, I mean, a really interesting, I think that there's a lot interesting in there to dig into, but you kind of made a distinction just now. Um, you didn't say this, but it's what I heard. Uh, and I'd love to dig into it a little more. What, you know, you, you made a distinction between the actual serving the project itself, and then and then the the spirit or the heart, hmm. um, something inside of you that that informs that, that energizes that. So, what's the? Di I mean, we the the title for this is you know serving and spiritual gifts, and so what you know what is uh, what's the difference between actually a talent and a spiritual gift hmm. and, and how does one inform the other or should they inform one another that's I guess where would you go with that I guess okay so let's back up and talk a little bit about who I like my makeup Peter taught me many years ago about Enneagrams and I was super skeptical at the time because I didn't like being put in a box I felt like personality tests put people in boxes, right? Which turns out that because I'm in number eight, which is called a challenger, that that is pretty typical behavior for a challenger. <laughs> Thankfully, Peter knew that and was very gracious about my conversations early on about the Enneagram. But I often look at challenging systems and, and understanding how to fix a problem, right? I'm a doer. I am not a beer. 
I this conversation stuff that we're doing right now, not my jam. I'd much rather make this happen for seven other speakers, right? Like people that come in and, and do their thing because I like to do things. And so what I'm learning is I'm learning to be. Mm. I'm learning to be quiet. I'm learning to listen to what God is speaking to me. And I'm learning how to love people in a different way. Now, that also means that I'm challenging other people in ways that I never challenged them before because I also, even though I am a challenger in my Enneagram type, I am also um, a person that likes to use inspiration. Mm. I don't really love conflict per se. I like to inspire people to see something that needs to happen. And sometimes, um, especially in the last year, I've realized that part of what I need to do is not just inspire people, but also challenge them. And I don't know that that's a spiritual gift, but I know that everywhere Jesus went, he created conflict because he was calling people into a relationship with himself. He was calling them into intimacy with himself. And I don't know, did Rebecca Letterman talk about that? Because that is a really big topic in her class that I just took last semester. She has a great way of describing how Jesus has this perfect balance of conflict and intimacy, right? Mm. It's a really big theme in her class called Being Human, and it changed me. Um, wow. You're going to have to listen to last week's episode. That's all I got to say because it's in there. <laughs> I, I actually I want to hone on something really specific. So, you know, Aaron kind of rolls his eyes when he hears the Enneagram, so maybe you can become like Rebecca. No, see, I, thought, I, loved, I loved that you <laughs> went there because Peter is often bringing up the Enneagram with me, and I know that there's actually a podcast that is specifically, mm -hmm. there's at least one specifically. Marilyn Vance. So uh, go, go check it out. I'm talking to you. Sean Palmer. But, I, but I, I love that you went there because I'm, you know, a lot of people are always like, you need to take the Enneagram, you need to take the Enneagram. And, then I, and um, you know, I'm, curi I'm curious about personality tests too. I've taken more than my mm -hmm. fair share in the day. I haven't done that one mm -hmm. yet. Um, and then there's spiritual gift assessments too. Right. And that, that, you know, that sounds like a very churchy thing. It is a very churchy thing. Um, but uh, I would love to get back to, uh, to that at some point about what you, what you think about all of those. But okay. let's let Peter ask his question. Well, no, I, I love this. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get super specific. So one of the things that, you know, Enneagram teachers would say, one female eight challengers is like the most difficult. And the second to that would be male two. Did he just call me difficult? I, I think it I, sounded like I, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't call you difficult. I, I am going to cite Ian Morgan Crone, <laughs> Suzanne Stabile. I'm just, you know. It's they, okay. Audience, you can just rewind a little bit. You know, yeah, you can just rewind. <laughs> So, so like eight females, because just in our culture, there's kind of this idea and you can unpack that. And for twos, it's kind of like a male two that's really sensitive. So I think we're both kind of coming into this as not necessarily fitting right, that. Right. What there's a set of spiritual gifts that you probably fit in this prophetic. And when I say prophetic, I'm not saying, you know, foretelling the future, but sure. it's kind of forth like. You said, hey, I don't necessarily like conflict, but if it's needed, let's do it. Right. Talk about your experience of as a woman, as a challenger, yeah. as someone in church, because what I'm hearing from you is I'm trying to figure out who God made me to be. I obviously have areas of growth, and I'm trying to put those together in kind of an imperfect church system that doesn't always appreciate that. How are you wrestling with that? Yeah, I think um, this feels like a conversation that you could have with probably quite a few church women, right? Women who have been leaders in churches. Because, um, you know, when you look at the statistics in the world of how uh, women are represented, are represented, excuse me, in, um, in populations, they don't, they aren't often, the higher you go up in leadership, the less women you see. That's, that's even halved in women in church. So I think the conversation of how to find your role in a church environment, like there probably aren't a lot of us, but it is an important topic to have because I think when you see the fullness of God, you see the fullness of the church. And having um, representation at a table that's making decisions about your spiritual being, is a, you get a fuller understanding when you have people of diverse, uh, diverse backgrounds, um, genders, you know, you get that perspective from other voices at the table. And I know you guys are having conversations about equity 
you know, in, in underrepresented people groups. And that's an important conversation to have. I feel like you guys are doing the work already. So when I think about serving and spiritual gifts, I think about conflict because I think that's what Jesus did, unfortunately, right? One of the things I'm studying this semester is the questions of Jesus. So I'm reading through the scriptures and Jesus asked a lot of questions. He was asked a lot of questions, especially by you know, religious people because they wanted to understand you know, what he was t- talking about. But he often asked questions in response. And I think about the first words of Jesus that are ever recorded in the Bible are actually a question. His mother found him in the temple after they had left him in Jerusalem. And he says to them, why are you looking for me? Don't you know that I had to be in my father's house? That was the first words of Jesus. She's like, hey, you've been lost. Why didn't you come home with us? And Jesus is asking her a question. Didn't you know I'd be here? Why didn't you know I'd be here? Mm Then if you fast forward to the first recorded sermon of Jesus, he quotes, he stands up to speak in his hometown and he quotes an ancient Old Testament verse. And he says that he came to set the people free. He came to feed the, this might be a pausing thing because maybe there'd be a benefit to actually saying the exact words. Well, I just read it. I just read it in Isaiah. So he quotes Thank Isaiah. You. So he said, I, I keep to set the captives free. Um, I think it's Isaiah 61. So, yes, in Luke but, 4, right? Yeah. Luke yeah. 4. So he goes to his hometown of Nazareth and he stands up to read the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor I don't know that seems pretty significant to me say more so the last year has been really hard because as you said, I'm an Enneagram 8 as a female. I um, was very invested in a church community, this church community that I love and adore. And I moved to a new position at Northeastern Seminary in the middle of a pandemic. And then on top of that, I'm faced with at home, like we all were, racial injustice. And I'm thinking and processing these things in light of my new seminary degree. And I'm thinking about, you know, what is God calling me to do in the future, in his church and in his world? How am I going to serve in a new way in 20 years, like you just asked a few minutes ago? I don't know what that will look like. But I'm willing to fight the fight now. And I think I used to think that was a negative thing. Um, But when I see Jesus, when I read the words, when I study what I'm studying in my classes, Jesus was no wimp. He didn't just walk up on the cross. He spent three years fighting the fight. And before that, he lived in obscurity in a small town where no one knew his name. He spent 30 years where no one really knew who he was. And then for 30 years, he fought a fight that I think we, we, we often feel uncomfortable talking about. So this is really, I mean, this is really interesting because I, I, that got sparked out of the conversation about the question about being prophetic, about being um, not a foreteller, you know, because that's not necessarily what prophecy is, but you're, you're yeah. speaking truth. You're, you're, that's, you want to, you want to, you either want to speak truth or you want to help the people who are speaking truth. That's, <laughs> you like to be, you know, you, like you said, you like to be a doer and make sure that, uh, the message is getting out there. The cameras sure. are set up. The platforms sure. are set up. Sure. Um, so you know, but Peter brought up that that word prophetic, um, and and I'm you know I'm hearing as you're talking a desire to speak truth, um, to proclaim, uh, just as uh, Jesus proclaimed mm-hmm. and others in the Bible proclaimed. Mm-hmm. How did you? get to the point where 
you felt like that was a passion for you. And, and, and I guess here's where I'm trying to go with this too, is how do you know, and I'm trying to think about what someone who's listening to those conversations, what, what are they, what might they be thinking? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the difference there between you have a talent for speaking versus, or for helping others speak hmm. versus a spiritual gift? Like, what does that even mean? Is that something that, does that mean that the, that God is building on something you, he's already given you when you were created? Um, That's a great question. Or is it something that he kind of gives you when you need it? Um, right, or, right. So what is, so can you, can you dive in that a little bit more? Yeah, and I think one way to kind of compare spiritual gifts to like how we pray about things, we say, oh God, you know, bring me my husband. I want to know if this person's my husband, right? We pray that specific prayer. But when we look at the Bible, we see that God never told anyone in the Bible who their specific spouse is. Not that he can't do that. I mean, there was a story of Isaac, right? Abraham sent his servant and Isaac, or the servant chose, was spoken to by God to choose that right. woman, Rebecca, for right. Isaac. But for the most and I part- I guess Adam and Eve too. Well, but. yeah, they were, they didn't have any other choices. There wasn't much of a choice there, yeah. Right. <laughs> but I think God gives us a lot of freedom to explore um, our options, right? Like that's true of career or vocation we think about these things is vocation the same as spiritual gifts you could use your spiritual gifts in your vocation but i don't think that a vocation is always you know pastors have to be somewhat called you you felt you were called peter right like how was that experience of you deciding that you were going to be a pastor somewhere you know that's a question that we all sort of wrestle with um and i think once i stopped Fighting the personality tests, Aaron, because you talked about that a little bit. Um, I, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm fighting them, but you know, I I'm there. You know, cautious about That's them, right. sure. <laughs> so I had a mentor, Cynthia Woolbright. She's a um, a great woman of faith who um, mentored me for a while. She had me take uh, the DISC assessment, mm-hmm. and the reason I fell in love with a DISC assessment is because it was a behavioral test. That's how she she framed it, and behaviors can be changed. You can always change your behaviors. So I took this test, and that's sort of where that flame was fed a little bit, plus Peter's Enneagram, plus my kids started getting into Enneagram and understanding you know, who they were meant to be. And I think that that is, is kind of when you understand who you are and how God made you to be, and then you understand the choice that you have within that, I think that it's both and. Mm-hmm. It's God speaking to you, and it's you walking forth into areas that interest you, because that is God laying things on your heart. You talked about prophetic. Is God speaking something to your heart prophetic? How do you know when God is speaking to your heart? Um, There's confirmation that happens from the people around you. You can't discover your spiritual gifts alone. You can't. It's impossible. Well, I don't know if it's impossible because Adam and Eve, right? They were kind of alone. But I think that there is a lot of value in discovering these things in community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on top of being here and having the community at Browncroft, you know, I led a Bible study for a long time. Um, and we together uncovered a lot of truth and a lot of study and a lot of confession and prayer. And I think those things are really key to uncovering your spiritual gifts. You know, there, there's two things on my mind. Um, I'm going to kind of go semi-controversial. And the reason you have the communications director in is he can edit this out if we need to. So, <laughs> you know, um, you know, first of all, with spiritual gifts, you know, we didn't really define it. And I want to hear your definition, but... I like what you just said there where there there's probably less of a line between natural talent and how God uses it. I think I think we call it a spiritual gift because mm. it's something that God has put in us mm-hmm. and it's how God works through us. So in the Bible in 1 Corinthians you know, big surprise like you can imperfectly use your spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. So you it's can true. you can read that and it's these people thinking that they're operating in their spiritual gifts and they're really causing a bunch of havoc in the church service. Mm-hmm. In college, you know, um, Dr. Bruce Marino, this is for you. So we are talking about spiritual gifts and Dr. Bruce Marino talks about, you know, healing. So we're just going to go there. So I can have a friend in the hospital and God could heal that person. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't need my prayer, doesn't need anything. But, you know, what Dr. Marino said was, 
and again, healing is one of those weird spiritual gifts, is when I pray for someone to be healed, it's not that I have this gift like faith healers, but it's actually the realization God's working through me. Hmm. So I'm all of a sudden part of this story and plan. Sure. And and I think that that's kind of what spiritual gifts are. And, you know, I think it's probably good for us to come back to the serving, volunteering, because someone needs mm -hmm. help, but also serving, volunteering, because I have a skill, because I think that's a good tension. But I think it's the realization that I'm joining God's story, mm -hmm. not just in what he wants to do to me as an individual, but what he wants to do in a community. Yeah. I don't know, push back on that. I've... No, I think you're right. And I think, um, I think the tendency is for someone in my demographic and older to think that we are the more, we're the generation that's volunteering. We believed in that, right? There was big volunteer organizations when we were kids that that we sort of grew up in. And volunteerism is is sort of dying in some ways, right? But I think the younger generations, because they're asking spiritual questions at the same percentages that we are. That's Pew Research says that, right? They're not asking less spiritual questions, but they're asking them in different ways. Mm -hmm. And those ways might be looking at social justice issues where they feel that speaking up for people groups that are um, experiencing uh, discrimination, that is their way of using their voices and using their gifts. So volunteering to them might even look like that. Mm. Um, I think younger generations are unwilling to not get to the root of what they see are the issues, at least for my kids. And that's my experience with my four young adult kids. They're looking for a realness. They're looking for more conversations like this, like we're having now about, you know, what does Jesus really say? Mm. Um, and they're exploring it in new ways that are powerful. I don't think the stuff that we're teaching now in churches, I didn't learn as a kid. You know, I, I didn't learn about uh, poor people in America. I never thought about that stuff. I thought I was the poorest there was in America. We mixed powdered milk with real milk in our family. That's We thought we were so poor, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a microwave till I was 13. Exactly. So like, oh. <laughs> Air conditioner, what was that? Um, but I think our kids are thinking about equality in different ways. They're thinking about poor people. They're thinking about the world. Um, they're thinking about issues confronting women in not only our country, but in countries where they have no education and no rights. I think that's a really amazing thing about the younger generation. So for whether it's... Um our generation, I say our, I mean, Peter is a little bit younger than me, so I don't know. But um, <laughs> but uh, whether it's our generation or a younger generation or, you know, what the spiritual gift assessments that are out there, like, mm. um, like yeah. how does that how does that help mm. our generation, an older generation, a That's younger a generation? Question. How does it help inform how to get involved mm -hmm. in church. Mm -hmm. um, are they any good? <laughs> do, you yeah. have, do you have a favorite? Um, and then, you know, how does it how does it affect getting you being involved in church and and being involved in the church's yeah. ministry in a community? It's a great question. What do you what do you think about that? Well, I think that this is something that we do well here. And I'm gonna say we as the Browncroft community, right? We don't just find somebody and we say, oh, well, we need somebody to take care of babies in the nursery. We sit down with people. I know this is a, probably a part of what Kim Igo does on a regular basis. Sits down with people and says, okay, what what are you passionate about? Where, you know, do you like making coffee? Well, gosh, we have a place for you. You know, do you like saying hi to people in a parking lot? Gosh, we have a place for you. When you sit down and you find out what makes people tick and you make it about them, John Maxwell, I think, is the one who says this quote, if you do the right thing for the right reason with the right people, you will get the right results. Mm -hmm. So when you make something about yourself, so if the church makes it about themselves, they won't get the right results. But when the church makes it about the people, it makes it about what th those people, that person sitting across the table from you, it feels like they're called to do. And they might not know how to verbalize that, but a good pastor and a good 
what is Kim's role now? Director of Next Steps. There we go. Like she'll sit down and she'll ask good questions to uncover what makes that person tick. Mm. And I love Kim. She's great at what she does. I, I think she's an amazing human who loves people. She cares more about the relationship, not than Browncroft. She obviously loves Browncroft, but she cares more about the relationship. And that's really important to her. I love that. I love that about her. So I want to come back to something you said. And again, I think you were saying this fluidly, not necessarily definitively. No, you got to cut it out. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but um, so you're talking about about 15, 20 minutes ago about serving versus like, I'm really good at this. Hmm. And I, I think what I struggle with is Aaron and I work with a lot of digital stuff. And I, I think as a general whole, the church has improved digitally, but we're behind. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, you know, there's people that know what they're doing. So if I meet someone that has this gift of communication, this gift of, I know, like, Mm-hmm. how to engage online yeah they can be a greeter or they can pick up the chairs because maybe they have the spiritual gifts of helps but as a pastor if that's what makes their heart sing mm-hmm. and if that's where the need is and i think it's uh friedrich buchner that says like where your passion meets the world's mm-hmm. need is like yeah so that's kind of what i struggle with is like I want to put you in a place that you feel like you're in the zone. And sometimes that's actually like I talk to people. So I'm just going to pretend Rebecca showed up at Browncroft. You know, we're we'll say we're in California. Browncroft's in California, moved from Rochester, you know, and you show up at the church that I'm pastoring, you know, and you say, hey, I served a lot at a church. Sometimes what I'll ask you is just, hey, you know what? do you want to be a part of this church before mm-hmm. you get involved? What does that look? Cause some people will say like their career that they do for 40 hours a week, mm-hmm. like a CPA. I don't want to, I don't want to count the budget money. Like I want to do. And right. then, then there's other people that are like, Oh my goodness. Like I love to do this. You can't. So I just kind of feel this tension of, I want you to serve and volunteer where it's helpful, but also like, if we can find that sweet spot for you, I'm just kind of going back on that comment that you made about 20 minutes ago and how to process through that. Yeah, I, I don't remember specifically, but I think what we just, like what I just um, mentioned about finding people's, what they want to do, right? You, it's like, you might have a need to have small group leaders, but you know what, it's not about you, right? Like not you, the church, or you, the organization. Well, like, me, like, metrics are important sure is it but like sure. i can't go to i can't go to rebecca and be like i need 200 small group leaders i don't really care what you do that's what right. we're talking about and also people that do have a career that might not i mean that might be what they do for a vocation mm. but that might not be where they feel their spiritual gifts lie necessarily right so what you do for money might be different than what you feel like you're called to do and i think we see a variety of that in the church we also see a lot of that at northeastern seminary we have people coming in who who are doctors who now are becoming pastors later in life or they were they were the ceo of a business and now they want to give back mm-hmm. and and so they're exploring how to do that through their theological training. Um, so the people who come to the seminary to in that situation, um, say someone, I mean, I know not everyone who goes to seminary is because they want to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. There's right. a lot of reasons to go to seminary. Um, but let's say someone is kind of headed that direction as an example. How did they, did they just feel a call to do that? That's a great question. Or do they, or maybe they did feel a call to do that, but how, did they, did they sure. explore it through some reading or through, um, I guess I, I brought up the assessment test a few right. times, Like, but is right. there something people do to get right. to that point where they feel like they're, they're evaluating whether or not, what direction they've been gifted in to yeah. go? I think the question that we have on some of our tags, on our, our printed materials is, who is God calling you to be? 
And I think the other side of that is who, what is God calling you to do? Mm. So it's both and, and I think that that can change through seasons of life, right? Like the Bible says, Paul speaks in Corinthians about the hands and the feet and the, and not to despise one another, right? But what if you were a hand early in life and you changed over to be a foot later in life? Like that, your role, your calling, your giftings might be used in different ways. And I do love spiritual assessment tests now. Um, I took the strength finders test, which I think, I don't know that it's a spiritual assessment per se, but it was written by a pastor, I believe. Um, we took it last semester. And I think that taught me that some of my Enneagram traits of a challenger um, can be looked at in the light instead of just the negative as a difficult person. It can be looked at as also um, strategic. That is my top strength. So how can I be strategic in how I'm challenging people, challenging myself? How can I um, take what I think God has maybe put on my heart for an organization or for the work that I do and think strategically about that? Mm. Um, and that has given me peace instead of just seeing the challenging side. Because Enneagram sort of focuses on those negatives. Strength Finder has zero negatives. It only covers your strengths, right? So it's almost like two sides of the coin of exploring perhaps what your strengths are and then perhaps some of the challenges that you face in your personality. Mm. So I, I think what I hear both of you saying is um, assessments kind of get you into the mode to ask the right questions. And because I meet a lot of people yeah. that they say, I want to get involved in the church, mm -hmm. but they don't know what that looks like. Right. So it's kind of, let's at least get you into a zone that maybe you could figure it out. Right. As opposed to, you know, Rebecca comes to me and says, hey, I don't know, I want to get involved. And then I'm like, well, you should be a small group leader. And, right. and that could be completely wrong. That's right. Pretty, I don't know. Is that kind of, I mean, what about your experience, Aaron? I mean, let's get to know you. We'll oh, on. man. All <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so, Peter, I was I wasn't asking certain questions of you now, but I'm gonna you know look out. Look out. <laughs> um, Amazing. No, I I uh, I think that assessments are very useful. Um, I think that Peter, just what you just said, they in a lot of ways they get you to ask the right questions mm. and they get you to think about you know if it's a personality assessment, I think it can it can help you see blind spots mm -hmm. um, that we're just so used to ourselves that we don't see how someone else especially someone else who's coming from a totally different personality might see something you say or do mm -hmm. or on a regular basis and um, on the negative side something you might not mean any harm by but they take it that way or on the flip side a strength that you might not see mm -hmm. um, so I think strengths uh, the strengths ones are, in are useful on the spiritual gift side which I I, I um, I think maybe I'm, I'm trying to think about what someone who might be listening to this is thinking right now. They might not even know really. Some of us will know what we're talking about with spiritual gifts. There are certain passages in Paul's letters and whatnot, but there, anyhow, but there's, there are assessments for that too. And um, again, that's, that's useful. I think assessments can be useful. Again, to ask questions. It helps you think about um, where your heart is, where mm -hmm. your strengths are, where your heart is, where your mind is. Um, and they're useful. I say I'm cautious about them because I think that sometimes we can box ourselves mm. into things. And yeah. uh, there's a there's a place for, um, you know, sometimes the Lord puts an opportunity in front of you to serve in a church or serve in a ministry or just go help a neighbor out next door with something that you're not necessarily mm -hmm. good at. And yeah. then you can't just say, well, I'm not gifted in that, so I'm not going to go do that. There's right. a time to serve out of weakness too. Right. Um, and and I believe that if God is putting something in your way, he's going to equip you for that um, one way or another. So that's kind of where I come from on this stuff. But uh, I, I, I do think there's a value there. And I do think that there are gifts that God gives us because it's very clear in scripture that, right. that we do get gifts. Right. And how do we use them? So how do we lean into that? We sat down the other day with two um, women serving in a church who are thinking about attending seminary. And one was very clearly able to articulate that God has called her to be a pastor. Mm. The other one said that she is the kind of person that her pastor looks at her and says, this is what we need. 
And this is what I think you could use your your skill set doing for this time because the church has a need. You have a skill set. This is what, and she she's okay with that, right? So one woman clearly says, "I am called to be a pastor." She feels God has has spoken that to her in whatever ways. I, we didn't get into the specific ways that she has had confirmation sure. in that way, but the other one says, "Well, I just wait." She she's constantly being promoted because her leaders see the giftings in her. So maybe it's both and, right? It's not just one way of doing it. It's the assessments. It's the people around you. It's the things you feel God has put on your heart. That's Oh, sorry. I was going to say that's so good because that hits on what you said earlier about the value of community in, in recognizing these things. Um, and then, I mean, assessments are outside things. That's kind of like reading books and mm-hmm. whatnot yeah. too. Yeah. But then there's also, you gotta you got to dig into the word yourself and be open to what God sure. might have to talk to you personally about right it. agreed well and i want to come back so first of all I, I apologize for using the word difficult with enneagram eight. <laughs> i i was trying to all the enneagram eights you're, you're, are going so, to write uh, in well well but but <laughs> when when i hear so like when i hear you talk about being an enneagram eight when i hear your number one strength is strategic by the way that's my number one strength amazing um you know when i hear about like the disc assessment mm-hmm I actually feel on my end, I appreciate you more. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we love each other enough to say this. Like, we'd be in a meeting, and all of a sudden, Rebecca would be like, This is a huge problem. And I'm like, I don't think this is a huge problem. Do people know we worked together for as long as we did, Peter? I, is I that mean, a part of the now podcast? They, <laughs> now they do. Now they do. But, like, looking back at that, I see how important that right. was. And knowing who you are actually informs community and how we work together. Well, thank you for saying that because I basically already said you were right earlier about the Enneagram. <laughs> so I feel like you're throwing me a bone here, Peter. I, I, <laughs> well, but but that's that's something that even just, that's a whole nother podcast of. Like when I'm dealing with someone that feels more comfortable with conflict and the older I get, I feel more comfortable with conflict. Like there's a part of it where I need to lean into your spiritual gifts, your talents and your abilities. Like I look at someone like Aaron, you know, I, I freak Aaron out sometimes. Like Aaron has an, we, we share the East house. Like we call it the party house. Amazing. Cause that's where the cool people are. That's our <laughs> office building. Alyssa's over there too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so what happens is like I come downstairs and I'm like super excited. I see something and what Aaron does is he's so kind and he'll be like, huh, let me think about that. Hmm. You know, because Aaron has some type of spiritual gift of analyzing. Hmm. He'll sit with that. Are you a six? He, Do you know? Do you he, even know what you are? I, I I, mean, I like to think I know a little bit about who I am, but I don't know what I am on the Enneagram. Oh, you're going to I'd have lots of people guess things for me. <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> which is not, you're not supposed to do. That's a pet peeve of the Enneagram. You're not supposed to type people. And I never <laughs> typed you. I, I hope people, listeners, I, so, but like one of the things is, not to throw out another, but like we just did the genius from assessment from Patrick Lencioni mm. and one of Aaron's big like uh, geniuses, which I think is a spirit, is discernment, mm-hmm. where like there's a moment that Aaron kind of steps into a meeting and says, I think we need to be careful. And I think that sometimes, like if we, it's not only about you realizing your spiritual gifts, it's mm-hmm. about you even identifying and celebrating the people around you. So. Well, and as you said earlier, Peter, you said we don't, we can use our gifts imperfectly, right? How many times have you heard someone say, oh, well, I'm, I have the gift of exhortation, and really they're just t- telling you whatever comes in their mind that's made them <laughs> angry, right? Because they're exhorting you. I think that we have to be careful to make sure we're staying in our strengths and our giftings too, right? Gifting does not equal strength. They are not the same thing. Your gifting doesn't necessarily mean that you're always operating out of your the, the right mind. And Enneagram touches on that, right? You have areas, when you're a number eight, you can operate in a, a healthy eight or a, a and their wings, I don't, I don't, see, I'm not quite there yet, Peter. I know you know what I'm talking about without <laughs> even clarifying. <laughs> well, let, let's kind of close with these two, quite, this conversation's gone really fast. We probably could do another two hours, you know, this is, again, our hope is just to throw a microphone as if we're having coffee, but I'm guessing many of our listeners are feeling this paralysis by analysis. Mm. Like, I want to make a difference. Um, 
maybe I feel like my like what you said I I want to be a voice but other people are saying I want to get involved right and we celebrate stories of people that start stuff but we don't always celebrate the stories of people that are like mm -hmm. hey Mike Peace from Bethel Express I'm just going to show up like for a year I'm just like what would you say I'm going to ask both of you to those that are experiencing the paralysis by analysis of what's their next step? Hmm. I think it's a good question because I think that's something that we're, we also see at Northeastern Seminary. People are trying to figure out what is next for them. So I think that's a good question. Aaron, do you have a, <laughs> I'm gonna pass the response. <laughs> pass the baton yeah. Over. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a good question. Um, maybe a, I think it's important to take time to discern and to analyze I mean, I know that's important to me, but there's also a time to make a decision and move forward too, um, or just show up. Like you said, I mean, there are plenty of things that people just need other people to show up for, mm -hmm. um, and that by itself makes a difference. So I, I, I think that you can do both, and sometimes, probably actually a lot of times, you learn more about who you are when you're in the and what you're supposed to be doing when you're in the midst of. Hmm. Um, I mean, you brought up the example of Jesus earlier when Jesus called disciples to himself and he just had them do stuff with yeah. him. And, and they, in the course of time, um, they learned more about themselves either through the working um, of, of that process or sometimes like Jesus said to Peter, like he gave him pretty direct, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he called him a, a rock and, and that, he also Left called him Satan. Get behind me, well, Satan. Well, he had to, yeah, you know, <laughs> correct the negative stuff too. But uh, but he also built into him, agreed, um, or and also to the other um, disciples too. But that so means, good as an example. So yeah, yeah, and that I think that there are tools that you can use, like assessment tests. There are tools that you can use, like the people around you. Um, you know, talking to people who are experts in their field. You know. JP sits, my boss at work, sits down with so many people and has conversations about what might be their next step, right? Peter, you must be doing it all the time too and talking to people about how to get involved in community here. And I think that those are valuable conversations. It is about relationships. People can YouTube how to do anything in the world, right? You can probably get an entire seminary education and every sermon under the planets on YouTube, I bet. But they come here, they come to college because they're looking for more than that, right? So spiritual giftings are uncovered in community, just like reading the Bible is done better. Understanding the Bible is done better in community when you're in conversations with people who are different than yourself, who are similar to yourself. You start to see the word in a fullness that cannot be done when you're sitting alone doing it by yourself. So. Okay. Look, look at you promo episode one of this series from Dr. David Carr. Look at that, man. Man. Well, hey, we're going to close with this last question. We kind of were there. What would Jesus say about it? So the cool thing about this is if Aaron and I speak any heresy, now that you're in seminary, you can correct us. Oh, okay. Right. So we're counting on you. That's we're right. counting on it, you know. I didn't go to Northeastern. I went to Valley Forge. And those I know, but. Those Pentecostals, you know, you know. <sighs> Am I, am I allowed to joke like that? Yes, you are. You say whatever you want. <laughs> I'll, let the, I'll let your alumni association call you. There you I go. I love Valley Forge. So, <laughs> and they know I do. So, hey, what does Jesus have to say? Who's starting, you or me? I can start. Go ahead. Sure. Um, I mean, I think it's very, uh, I think the scriptures are very clear. So, I mean, I think that Jesus does give us gifts. Um he, uh, the Lord equips us for whatever tasks that he has for us to do. Um, I think that getting to this conversation, like there's ways that we can explore. We were just talking about that, explore more about what those mm. giftings are, whether it's, um, whether there is a preaching gift there or there is a, a helps gift. You mentioned helps or administration um, or mm -hmm. I mean, there's a number of different ways that the, the the body of Christ, the church, works together and and 
and it's in that diversity that there's there's strength i mean that's where that that's the beauty of um the the giftings but uh yeah no i think also there's an element of you just need to like we said you just have to get, get involved show up serve and 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 in that process and in community with our people as well as your own personal reflection time then there there's we learn more about ourselves so i i think that i think that we need to i think what jesus would have wanted us to do is to to, to get to get mm. involved get plugged into him and get plugged into the where he wants us to be man that's really good um the word in the bible that they use for spiritual gifts is charismata where we get the word charismatic and i think I think charismatic probably has more negative connotations because it's charismatic leader and stuff like that. But what it literally means in Greek is grace gift. Hmm. So, you know, when you're using the talents, the gifts, the abilities that God gave you, you're literally offering Jesus's grace to other people. Hmm. And if you keep that as a mission, I feel like that's exactly what Jesus did, whether you serve in a need that's kind of outside your comfort zone or you serve in a sweet spot. But the second thing I want to say is, you know, if you're going to study this in the Bible and you want to get more aware, there's there's a list in 1 Corinthians, there's a list in Romans. But my favorite passage is in 1 Peter because there's no list. You know, Peter says... Has nothing to do with your name. Has nothing to do with my name. So um, <laughs> anyways, but um, it just says, whatever spiritual gift you have, use it. Hmm. And I wonder if at the end of the day, what Jesus is saying, I, I'm giving you an opportunity to be part of my story, to give grace in a, in a world full of chaos that desperately needs it. So why don't you use what you got? Use what I gave you. So that's so my good. thoughts. I love it. Um, as a doer, as a chronic doer, I want to think about the things that Jesus did and the things that he said and how he treated people. And I think since he is the perfect human and, and, and a perfect God in one, um, it's, it's an interesting exploration that I'm in the middle of now of, of watching what Jesus said, watching what he did, and trying to be more like that. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love does a whole lot of great, amazing things. And I think Jesus did that well. And I feel like that is the ultimate spiritual gift, figuring out how to do that, right? Love. I just want to, before we go, I want to kind of call out, because I think this is important for our listeners. Someone that's more of a discerner and thinker says, hey, take that next step. And someone that's more of a doer says reflect. And I think that that's huh. just interesting that's just <laughs> i think that that's just maturity anyways so good <laughs> this is the final episode of our northeastern series we're gonna have more people from northeastern love it yeah we gotta um, have you guys come over sometime hey you know who knows maybe we'll, look we'll, forward to it. Yeah. we'll do a live show there who knows? So we'll good. Just, if it's on tape we have to do it anyways but um rebecca how can people find you uh, Northeastern um, Seminary is the name of our institution. NES.edu is our website. And um, my email will be in the show notes. Can uh, can people follow you on? Uh, Absolutely. I'd so love to. Rebecca Four Picks, is that? Yep. Rebecca Four Picks on uh, both Facebook and Instagram. All right. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah.